Christian, 2021 has been a wild ride. Um, we have gone through some of the most unprecedented, uh, unforeseen things in our history. <clears throat> and yet the most wild thing of the past 18 months just happened because the Montreal Canadiens are going to the Stanley Cup final. Isn't it fantastic? You know what? I, I, um, as as a Canadian, and I wonder, this might be something we talk about, but, you know, we always wonder, you know, oh, if there's a Canadian team left, you cheer for them. But I know Leafs fans aren't. <laughs> and that's what makes me so happy is yeah. that I know there are just a bunch of angry, angry Leaf fans, not only just because they're the Canadians, but because they blew the 3-1 lead and, you know, all that type of stuff that uh, it just makes it so much better. So I'm not going to go and buy a Habs jersey, but I almost did. <laughs> That's really what it is about, eh? It's the schadenfreude of of the the arrogance within the teams that they took down along the way. You know, the demons that they exercised by putting Toronto down in Game 7. I mean, it's just unbelievable. They did not finish the season strong. There was a question whether they would even make the playoffs. You know, here in the Ottawa camp, we've talked about how terrible we've been all year. There was a time that we said, yeah, we're happier with where we are than where Montreal is. And this is the power of defensive hockey in the playoffs, you know? I'm honestly just happy for Carey Price. Uh, oh, like, I hear. you know, I just, first time in a cup final, um, the, the number of times he's had a back injury from carrying that team, you know, <laughs> yeah. just 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 that type of stuff. I'm, I'm really happy for him. And even just guys, I mean, I'm a little bit nostalgic, I guess, but, you know, guys like Corey Perry, Eric Stahl on that team, just like the gritty vets who have just like, you know, put in the time, you know, not really flashy anymore at this point in their career, but still still doing it. Um, and, Absolutely. And, and you talk about nostalgia. Last Canadian winner of the Stanley Cup was Montreal Canadiens, 1993. Yeah. 1993. We were little kids, man. I don't remember that. I don't, I definitely don't remember Montreal winning and I grew up a mad hockey fan. So that's how long it's been. We've had uh, Calgary come and go in the final 04, Edmonton 06, Ottawa 07. You know, Canada's come close to touching it, but it just hasn't so far. And then Vancouver 2011? That's right. Yep, yep, yep. Good call. Uh, Yeah, I guess so. 2010 or 11. Yeah, 2011 against Boston. Uh, Boston. Yeah. yeah. That was the riots that broke out. I oh, yeah. Lost, right? I wonder what's going to happen if Montreal loses. Oh, man. Can you imagine? Well, it's gonna. there's going to be fires if they win or lose, right? Like It's, just, <laughs> right, it's right. a celebratory flair or it's uh, we're going to F shit up because we just <laughs> lost flair. It's one of the two. Like the car is getting lit on fire. We just don't know <laughs> if it's celebratory or anger. We just don't know. Speaking of uh, massive explosions of things all over the walls, um, our solid food adventure here with our daughter continues to uh, transition. Continues to grow. <laughs> yeah, so I have all kinds of red, white, and blue things uh, all over her bib and uh, myself. And yeah, but it's going really well, man. I, I have to say, she's actually been um, really, really into it. She enjoys it. She loves trying all the new things. Um, our winner so far, your suggestion of avocado. Big win definitely okay. has gone over well. Also, peas, sweet potato, big fans of those. Not a not a cauliflower fan. She'll list that one. And uh, plain yogurt, I think probably a bit too sour for her. But everything else going really, really well. She now, are those it. are those vegetables in the mashed variety? Mashed variety, okay. yeah, mashed variety. We're still um, we're still at the really cute toothless smile phase. So she's, uh, you know, that's she's gumming it all to death. But yeah, I it's going pretty. I well. won't take credit for the avocado. Um, suggestion that was one that my wife came up with um you know at the suggestion 
I'm almost positive of the pediatrician just because of, mm. you know, obviously calorie dense food, right. you know, keeps texture. them chunky texture, yeah. you know, obviously 100%. tons of health benefits, you know, uh, and that type of thing. Um, we just have to be careful around the dog with the <laughs> avocado, you know, yeah, when we're in the high chair, we got to be, so yeah. we got to be careful about that. But, um, for those listening at home, those are very difficult to remove from the gastrointestinal system. So please be careful with your avocado pits. Yeah, make sure your garbage can has a good lid. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, no, that's awesome, man. Um, what about the uh, removal of the solids or the ex expellation? Ex it's uh, expelling solid. of the solids. How's that going? It's solid as a rock. Let me tell you that. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it has humanized. It has adultized very quickly. The uh, excretions of those items. Yeah, it's uh, it's firmed up, my friend. It's uh, we're dealing with uh, a solidity within the situation. <laughs> this now, do you think that makes it easier or harder? No mm, pun intended. Harder for her. Ten thousand percent harder for her to get it all out. Maybe easier for us. It's a it's cleaner, you know. It uh, it it doesn't leave as much residue, you know. So it's I would say probably easier for us. A little bit harder for her, I think. <clears throat> Prunes. <laughs> I like that, right? Fiber, isn't it? Fiber yeah, fiber and fiber uh, prunes. Yeah, right. I feel like you just you basically treat them like they're a really old person, right? It's just <laughs> they got to get their prunes, you know, so they stay regular. And I remember one time when I was little, peas. I, I had I mean, yeah, yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, the airplane. Yeah, I remember when I was little, I had uh, I, I I took some prune juice to relieve a situation. Um, it honestly felt like seconds in my head and in my memory. I'm sure it was like several hours, but in my head, it was like someone had just punched me in the duodenum. <laughs> I'm, just picturing, I'm just picturing young Chris. Ow, my duodenum. <laughs> <laughs> how uh, How is your week, my friend? And how is your daughter? Uh, she is good. Um, we're in a little bit of a, um, well, I'll say personally that it's tough. Um, just in the kind of toddler aspect that she's very much, very much more obsessed with mom mm. than dad. Mm. So, um, there have definitely been some frustrating moments where it's just been like, okay, mom is trying to achieve a task. Um, but my daughter wants nothing to do with me and only wants to be literally climbing on top of her mother, which obviously then makes that task very difficult for my wife to uh, finish and then also very frustrating for everybody involved um, right. because there's literally nothing I can do if I take her away to try to like you know entice her to do something else she just runs back crying to her mother which then frustrates everybody um, so there's been uh, a couple of those I mean a few and far between you know it's not a constant thing but enough that it's becoming one of those like you know sigh moments where you're just like well yep she wants nothing to do with me mm. um, but um which I, I wonder if she's just preparing me for her teenage years. <laughs> yeah, she's You know, just, I'm guessing I'm just she's like... She's actually oh. very ahead of her time. Yeah, she's yeah. just like doing it like little by little so that when it's just full blown, like, no, dad, you're embarrassing, go away. I'm already kind of used <laughs> yeah, to it. You're hardened. Um, but uh, yeah, exactly. I'm already kind of prepared and counter conditioned towards it. It's um, always such a tough thing. I mean, it, it's kind of one of the difficulties of fatherhood. I shouldn't say a di this is that that's the wrong way to phrase it. Not a difficulty of fatherhood, but one of the balances, you know, is that f for 10 seconds when your daughter would prefer to be with uh, her mom rather than you, you're like, beauty, 
that's good. That's great. I get the TV and I get to be by myself. And then after 10 seconds, you're like, oh, no, I miss them all. So it's a, I can, I can see that. I'm sure it's just a phase though. You're a great dad and she'll be climbing all over you in a couple of months. I bet. Well, the really funny thing about that is that like when I'm like, if I have the day off and my wife is at work, like we have a great time. Like mm-hmm. it's not like, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's when we're both home. Right. right? It's, it's just not that's... a dad. It's not a dad disattachment. It's a mom attachment. Right. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a, uh, and she went through a little separation anxiety phase. I don't know when she was around one, maybe where like my wife leaving to go to work was like the end of the world. Mm. Um, Whereas now she's just like, bye mama. It's Mm. like mom leaving or whatever. But uh, yeah, when both of us are home, it's something that I'm just like, you know, look at my wife and I'll be like, do you just want me to do the thing? Because like, (laughs) you're not going to be able to do the thing with a two-year-old hanging off you screaming that you're not paying attention to her. But I also know that my wife wants some time to herself. So I'm right. like, do you want me to do the thing or do you just want me to wrangle the screaming kid yeah, yeah. and just deal with it? Like, like there are you tell certain me things. It's like, honey, do you want me to have a bath for you now? Or there's certain things that you can't quite do. Right. So uh, but to, yeah, other than that, really, really cannot complain. Well, good. Uh, her good BMs have been solid for quite some time. So I, you know, <laughs> I, uh, so we're a well, little I'm more gl- prepared. Now, now that all the listeners are on, on both fronts up to date on our uh, poop situations, shall we get this episode started? Let's load it up. Gentlemen, ABC, one, two, three, teach me how to Dougie. This is the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. In the blue corner from the fireworks and liberty side of Niagara Falls, he flies like a donkey and stings like an elephant. He is MC DJ Christian Fresh. And in the red corner from the beavers and snow side of Niagara Falls, I float like a caribou but sting like a moose. I'm DJ Daddy Chris. And we are back for another week of the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. Christian, how are you doing, my friend? I am I am excellent, sir. Thank you for the thank you for the uh, intro that is cooler than I will ever be for the rest of my life, um, especially <laughs> in the eyes of my of my child. <laughs> I'm getting MC DJ Christian Fresh T-shirts printed next time we see each other, and they might go great for your live music career. No, Christian is not launching a new live music career, but I we're going to talk about his music career a little bit later on. Um, we're actually going to do something a little bit. Uh, different this episode, something a, a little unexpected. I am yeah, unbelievably I'm excited. excited for this episode. Um, we're going to learn something about each other. I mean, we, we've we matured together. We've graduated well, together. We've stood. Yeah, I mean, we've tried to mature together. Chronologically, we've <laughs> yeah, matured chronologically. together. Yeah. We've stood beside each other at our weddings. I mean, we've gone through the experience of fatherhood together, but somehow there is still more to learn about each other. I didn't even know that was possible. I know you're a musician. I know you come from a musical family. I know you can strum the guitar. Can you actually play a guitar, a key guitar? Can you play a guitar? Yes. Wow. That's why I'd I'd pay money to watch you uh, play a guitar. I I, not like exceptionally well, um, but I have played one before. Gentle solos. I mean, we're not talking buckethead shreds or anything. Not enough that I break it when I'm done. No. Yeah. (laughs) Right, right. And uh, I mean, you know that I'm a huge nerd, but you don't know if I'm a geek. So we'll, we're going to dive into that to get to the bottom of that terminology. 
Um, but first, Kirsten, I mean, I think, uh, you know, we've chit, we've chitted and we've chatted about Montreal. So why don't we just dive right in? How does that sound? Love it. Okay. So, uh, Kirsten, I'm going to be asking you this week about your life as it pertains to music. Okay. So that's both the, your musical career insofar as how you would define it as a career, like when you started to play at a very high level and, and so on, but also like earlier than that, you know, kind of growing up and what you remember. So I'm going to kind of group my, my thinking into a few different areas here, but you feel free to, to wander off if it's not quite on track for you. All right. Improvise as we say in the music world. <laughs> I haven't heard that term. Improvise is from the from the German, I guess. Must be. So your first memories of music, Christian. Um, when you were growing up, is there something that stands out to you as a toddler, as a child, when you first enrolled in school? What first stood out in your head about music? What do you what are your first memories of it when you were growing up? Well, I, I definitely started taking music lessons at a very young age, um, piano specifically. But even prior to that, um, my so I have a, a brother three years older than me who, much like me, enrolled in music and things very, very early in life. So I remember kind of almost living vicariously through that as a very young child and seeing him go through that just kind of before me. But um, as you mentioned off the top, my my family is extremely musical. Uh, my uh, most of it on my mother's side. So on that side of the family, uh, my grandfather and his two siblings. So there were three of them. Were all professional musicians. Uh, wow, that's really cool. What um, what what type of musicians? What uh, what were uh, they into? Piano. Uh, what great aunt piano? Great uncle trombone. And then my grandfather played a multitude of instruments, but piano mostly. Um, and That's he was really cool. a high school music teacher um, and actually was my mom's high school music teacher, which is funny. <laughs> um, he also actually wrote the Westdale High School school song. Um, Get out of here. That was, wasn't high that school, your high school? I went to Westmount. Uh, Westmount, right. Uh, West but Westdale Mount. High School, a fairly well-known uh, high school in in Hamilton, Ontario. Um, but he actually wrote the school song. Um, any anyway, my my earliest memories are of them because we have a lot of pictures of them and and that type of thing. Now they were obviously older and grandparent age by the time I was born, of course. But um, you know, it, the the family aspect of music, which really stemmed from them, um, is what I remember most. Because not only my mom and one of her cousins, actually a couple of her cousins, are all very musical as well. Uh, my mom being a music teacher of herself as well. Um, so that that's kind of my earliest memories, uh, which then quickly transitioned into kind of, you know, music lessons as a, as a kid. When you were young, did you, you know, with that family background, do you feel that that influ influenced you beyond just that there was music accessible around you? Did you look up to them? Did you feel, I'm not going to say pressure, pressure makes it sound like a negative thing, uh, like a draw towards being like your ancestors, your parents, your grandparents, your great aunt. Did you, did you feel a desire to be like them because they were so musical? I don't necessarily know if I would call it like a desire or like a calling um, necessarily. It was almost just one of those things. It was more just like, that's what you did. Mm, um, was, and I, and there. I don't mean that in a negative way by any means. Um, but it was just, you know, that's, 
you know, whether whether it was your profession or not, music was just always very important. Um, mm. And, you know, whether it was just as a, an opportunity to, to, you know, exercise the other side of the brain, you know, or, or something like that. Um, right. You know, it was it always seemed to me as a um, a way to kind of. I don't know, achieve a more well-rounded kind of aspect, I guess. Um, like I said, I've always, uh, you know, as obviously being veterinarians, you know, I've always kind of had that science-y side of my brain. Um, but I've also very much enjoyed and stayed in tune with kind of the, you know, musical side because I do feel like it is a, you know, a different outlet and that's everything. Now, I don't think I knew that when I was four or five years old. But uh, yeah, well, I just remember being little, like that was just, you know, my brother did it, my mom did it, my grandpa did it, so I'm going to do it. Um, right. And, uh, and then it kind of quickly just blossomed from there. Now I had a, so that leads me perfectly. I had a question here that was, did, was there one moment where you knew that this was something that you could kind of go a bit beyond in and pursue? Would, would you say then that because you were always around it and it was just something that you did, you didn't transition into being like a good musician who performs with other people or performs for other people? It just kind of happened? Or was there one moment where you felt this is something more for me? Um, no, I'd probably say it's the former. Um, but that's just because most of my, again, experience was with family. Um, and so being around a whole bunch of talented musicians. Uh, I mean, even to this day, um, you know, where it was, again, it was just when you're, I mean, I was the youngest essentially of all of the musicians at that time. Right. I've had, I have younger cousins who are mu music, uh, musical as well now. Um, but, um, at that point it just seemed like, you know, it was kind of just one of the gang, um, you know, and didn't really appreciate it as, anything more than it was, I guess. Um, you know, not, I, I mean, I, I guess there were, there was probably some level of like, oh, I'm, you know, better at this than I thought I was, or, oh, I seem to be better at this than my friends or, um, mm -hmm. you know, or, or that type of thing, or, you know, even just progressing higher musically within, you know, music lessons that maybe right. was to be expected, I suppose. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I'm sure there was do I remember, you know, in, in my thirties now, like a particular moment? No. Uh, was there probably some general realization over time that that was the case? Probably. Um, mm. but again, following in the footsteps of, of my, um, well, multiple generations, but then also more specifically my brother who again, three years, my senior, who is still to this day, you know, his career is a professional musician. Um, so right. I mean, I followed closely behind him. So I always had the bar, um, mm. which was, um, a, an incredibly musically uh, gifted and brilliant mind um, that was my brother. Um, I'll never say that to his face. His ego couldn't handle it. But, <laughs> um, um, but I always had that as kind of, yeah, the bar, right? So to me, it seemed normal because that's what I lived with. Right. Did you, did you grow up playing with your brother? Uh, yeah, uh, we had, um, we played in a lot of the same bands together we had a lot of the same music teachers. Um, so my brother and I both took uh, piano lessons. Um, my brother's a professional trombone player. So when I picked an instrument, um, actually, it's kind of funny. Uh, I picked trombone because we already had one at home, so I didn't have to carry it back and forth. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, so we had the Great same reason. trombone teacher or for the most part, you know, so in that type of thing. So, yeah, we, we played a lot together. We ended up in a lot of the same bands. 
together over time um, and that type of thing. But um, so, yeah, we, get, we did play quite a bit together um, over time, even well into, um, you know, after I started in college, um, not in music and science, um, but uh, even up until that point, you know, we were still playing in bands together. Um, so yeah, there was a, there was a ton of overlap there. Um, obviously he went off and did, uh, you know, undergrad masters and beyond, you know, in music and composition and that type of thing. But, um, yeah, we played a ton together, both like the same instrument and then also kind of, you know, accompanying each other, I guess, for lack of a better term. Right. Right. Now that's interesting. When you say, um, played in the same bands, you know, I, um, I played a little bit of music growing up, um, trumpet and a little bit of piano lessons, nothing, you know, nothing anywhere close to what you did. Um, but I remember a moment for me feeling good about, uh, the first time you, I played music with somebody else, you know, I played my trumpet and my dad played his guitar and we had, you know, we, it, it, it's such a different experience. And when you're growing up, it feels almost academic, like you're studying, you know, in your room, learning your your instrument and going through it. And that kind of different feeling of playing with other people is kind of a one of the joys, I think, of music, what what draws the attraction to it. Um, do you what are your kind of first memories of playing in a band growing up? What was your first band? You know, was it more of a, a formal a touring, you know, jazz band or orchestra or something like that? Or were you in, um, you know, like a, a rock band or like a fun band when you were a kid? What, what was your memory growing up playing with other people? Well, I, I, I'll answer that in two different um answers um because uh, there's kind of two different avenues i guess in which kind of music kind of happened for me um when i was growing up my mom was the musical director at our church um and so there was you know a choir and a band and and that type of thing that was involved and so i was heavily involved with those um so um choral music was was a big part of my upbringing as well as um, kind of the band aspect to that. Actually, the first musical instrument I received as a gift, believe it or not, was a drum kit. Um, uh, even though I never had a lesson in my life, I'm a self-taught <laughs> drummer um, and uh, to this day. Uh, but um, so I played drums quite a bit. Um, and then also I mentioned trombone and piano. Um, those were a little bit more in the academic side, you know, the lessons, the exams, the, you know, being right. yelled at to practice 30 minutes a day, um, <laughs> those kind of ways. But, um, but my first experience was really involved. Yeah. Through the, through the church, cause there was the choir and the band as well. Um, and then quickly when I got into, um, you know, middle school and, and high school, then it was like you mentioned jazz band, orchestra, um, you know, musical theater, uh, that type of thing as well. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Do you, um, so growing up where you grew up, I think we've mentioned your hometown before, yes. um, you know, Hamilton, Ontario, the hammer, great, great city. Go Ticats. Um, a lot of, a lot of culture. So one of the, one of my favorite rock bands that comes from there is Arkells. Um, and they're mm. of a kind of similar age to us, you know, I mean, I, I don't think it's exactly the same, but in the same ballpark. Um, and I understand that they uh, grew up not too far away from you, actually. Correct. Um, was there ever a time, Christian, where you, you know, you thought about a career in popular music or in um, uh, something like what what your brother does, more of a formal setting? Was that ever a career path for you, do you think? Um, 
it's a thought that I probably have thought about every day since I was probably 10 years old. Wow, really? Wow. Every day since you were 10. That's amazing. So what, what, why are we talking here, man? What's going on? Like why, what, uh, how did that fit into your career plan and when and where did becoming a doctor instead uh, enter into the equation? It's frowned upon to do surgery as a hobby. <laughs> yeah, fair um, enough. Well so um, I've always had, and I am very lucky that I've always known what I wanted to do for a career. Um, and so veterinary medicine was, it was never really a question, um, but um, I definitely uh, considered doing uh, music as a career fairly strongly um, kind of going through high school um, until, I mean, I still took all the science courses and all that type of stuff, but I never really seriously thought about applying to post-secondary education in music. I mean, but the thought sat there for a while, um, but it was especially, one, it, I have to think with your brother having gone through that, you know, you mentioned that setting of the bar kind of, right. you know, being there first to see that that is a viable thing. You know, you can do that. You can go to school for music and make a career out of it. Yeah. Sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it just became that it was, you know, I can, I can be a doctor as a career and still play music. So this is the way I got to have both. Right. Uh, was, was kind of where it, where it ended up. Right. Do you, um, you know, just kind of speaking about bands and, and things like that, was there a, a group of friends that you had that you ever formed like a touring band with, you know, uh, ba bandwidth, band dot, dot, dot with, <laughs> I guess. Um, did you, uh, you know, did you ever play um, bars or churches or, um, you know, arenas or, or anything like that at any point? Um, yeah, a couple, I mean, nothing like incredibly famous by any means, but, um, but yeah, I had, uh, several friends of ours in, in high school that were, um, uh, you know, musically talented. Um, and so we, we made our own, uh, we made our own bands. Um, the, there was a group of us from the jazz band throughout high school that we kind of broke off. I mean, outside of school and formed our own little kind of jazz quintet and we would go and play events and things like that um, cool. and do that kind of thing. Um, and I was also in a, a wedding band with a group of friends for quite some time. Um, so I uh, mentioned uh, referring back to the drum kit, um, but as uh, so I was a drummer and vocalist in a wedding band, um, that was actually through a completely different avenue of friends that I found through a completely different kind of volunteer mode in my life, which was kind of fun, uh, still wonderful friends to this day. Um, but yeah, I played up, you know, weddings and, and, and those types of events, um, as well. So more so from a, I mean, yes, I mean, I, I guess like I, by definition it was professional because I got paid to do it. Yeah, um, but I, but that's I don't necessarily, but nothing that, nothing that it was going to be my sole, um, you know, income by any means, right. um, because it was more just kind of, for fun with my friends, we were just happy to be good enough that we, people would pay us to do it. So. Yeah. That's a hell of an accomplishment, man. I mean, yeah, for sure. It's always easy to, to like look over your left shoulder and see someone who's accomplished more and say, you know, and, and frown down on what you've done, but somebody paid you on the most important day of their life to, uh, to participate in the soundtrack. That's a, that's a really big thing. Speaking of, do you have like a specific day you know like a, a a live show that stands out in your mind um one specific live show um 
Well, I think I already mentioned it. I think it might have been even in one of the very first episodes of the podcast um, where I was um, I played in a jazz band that got the opportunity to actually tour a bit of Europe for about six weeks. Um, yes, yes, and, you did mention uh, this. And got yes, to play, yes. um, got to play on a stage on Lake Geneva, um, <laughs> and, so cool. and ended up about ten feet away from Prince. Um, wow. As a result, wow. so that one obviously is a is a you know a, a hilltopper um, for sure. But uh, no, I think I think most of the the memories I have are going to be. Um, you know, being asked to be like you mentioned, like the musical, um, let's say musical guest that makes it sound like I'm on Saturday Night Live. Um, uh, you know, musical aspect, or you mentioned soundtrack for you know one of my best friend's weddings, you know, or something right, like that. Right, like those right, are the right. things that I, um, you know, remember vividly. Actually, I was um, incredibly fortunate to be part of the music for producer Ryan's wedding. Um, so you know, things like that where I got to be. Uh, you know, up there playing music, watching one of my best friends, like you said, get married. Um, so those are the ones that really, I think, are the are the most uh, fun. Um, yeah, did I get to play some pretty big shows in some pretty big places? Yeah, definitely. Um, but uh, the more personal ones, I think, are the ones I remember most fondly. Right. Well, speaking of Prince and producer Ryan and other equally famous people, um, what, uh, what would you say are the, the most talented musician that you've ever played with either jamming or more formally? Oh, geez. Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I've had the opportunity to play with, um, with a lot of, with a lot of different people in, in a lot of different avenues, um, which is so, I mean, I played in a brass band for a few years um, and actually got to play Roy Thompson Hall with the Canadian Brass Quintet. Um, so, I mean, that's I, really cool for I, any American listeners. Roy Thompson Hall is a big deal in Toronto. Um, and, uh, you know, I've got to, to sit in and play with some, um, you know, pretty big orchestras throughout the United States. Now, that was more through school. Um, yeah, I've got to, uh, you know, share the stage with some pretty, um, you know, famous people um, just by happenstance. Um, but um, yeah, the most talented musician, that's a that's a tough one, because I mean, I've I've been able to learn from, you know, I went back to kind of my jazz days. Um, you know, I've gotten to learn from some of the most prolific Canadian jazz musicians that live Um and and so getting to learn from and kind of play alongside them, even just from a uh, a quick, you know, whatever it was, three day concert series or whatever it was, you know, week long masterclass or whatever, just being able to do that um, is uh, is it was it's been pretty thrilling, um, you know, for, a, you know, whatever, whatever I was, 14, 16, 18 year old kid at the time. Um, but uh, but I'll just answer that question and just save my brother. How about that? Aww, Brownie points. What a guy. Brownie well points. said, my friend. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to close this off with just a few kind of quick, fun little questions. All right. All right. So just, uh, for my own knowledge here, I know you play the guitar. I know you play the piano. Uh, I know you play the drums. 
and I know with guitar, like you get bass guitar and all that acoustic electric. I'm just lumping it all together. Um, I know you play the trombone. I know you can do vocals. Uh, hit me with the rest of the instruments you can play. Uh, well, it, that's probably the extent of the list from an actually like, could I play it like actually with some level of proficiency at this point in my life still a uh, hell of a good list but there. when i was in high school um uh, i mean i could play most of the brass instruments um you know i did dabble in the saxophone a little bit um and then most of my orchestral experience was actually in percussion so all of the percussion instruments right down the line that ah. you saw from the timpanis down to the glockenspiel yeah um, so I could okay play those okay too. it's Answer me this, Christian. Does that mean that as percussion in the orchestra, you got to smack the gong? Uh, I Yes. Excellent. At some point Excellent. I did, yes. So you achieved your life goals then. I mean, that's the only thing on my list. Yeah, it's been downhill since about 15 years old. Yeah, once that gong <laughs> rang out, it was just, it's been downhill ever since. <laughs> um, all right, next up. Do you songwrite? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah. Now, not in any formal way i guess um but uh but that being said music now for me is more of a creative and emotional outlet um and so yes does sometimes does that end up in song sure um i actually i wrote a song for my daughter when she was born um so i have that song recorded and played it for uh, my wife and daughter when she was born um and so yes i I mean it's it's nothing i mean i was gonna say it's nothing special it's special from a a a sentimental standpoint i mean musically it's not overtly complicated um but um so yes i mean the short answer to that question which i've made much longer is yes i mean do i do it where i'm like you know selling the rights and now i'm just like oh yeah so and so song written by no nothing like that obviously my for a brief moment i mean i'm i am listeners i know Christian very well. And I'm sure the song that he wrote was heartfelt, uh, would definitely make you cry in a moment. Is probably quite talented. He's probably very explicit language. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but for a brief moment, when you said it's nothing fancy, my mind is just going to like, he wrote a song set to the tune of Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. It's <laughs> I love you, my baby daughter. <laughs> so I was going to say, I've got a whole album of those bangers that I've written here. You know, the um, musical toys we talked about earlier in a pre- yeah, previous episode. Yeah, yeah. I just hit play on one of those and just kind of ad libbed over top. <laughs> Drop a beat, y'all. Um, when you songwrite, do you prefer lyrics or melody? Melody. Melody. Okay. Easy one. Easy one. That's how my, that's how my brain works. Um, I am not a lyricist by any means. Um, and that, that takes more effort. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas melody, um, is a lot more intrinsic and organic to me totally a different part of the brain i guess speaking of working out the brain um and uh my my final question it's more of a fun one is you and i are going to build um your perfect band so you're um of all those instruments that you just listed that you can play pick an instrument that you want to play in your favorite band okay okay can i just can i ask a a quick question of you Um, yes yes which is a two-part question if in my favorite band, do I get to pick with whom I'm playing? Yes, absolutely. So, so I'm we're picking gonna, a we're band of famous people. Yes, we're picking a band of famous people. 
And, and what? You, but you have to pick one of the instruments. And so that what means genre? That you pick piano. What genre? Anything of music? you want. Oh Jesus! Anything you want. We're gonna say popular music, but that can be jazz, you know, but not like an orchestra. You can't you can't pick Yo Yo Ma unless he's busting down on some fat cello chops. <laughs> now, now he's gonna be in the band just because of that. Just because you said it that way. Um, hmm. Yikes. Man, this is tough. The problem is, is because I could probably make like 20 different favorite bands with all of the like <laughs> ridiculous musicians, you know, that that we know. I'm going to go. I'm going to go drums. OK, good I'm going to play drums. OK. And are you going to vocalize Phil Collins style? Yes. OK. okay Whether it's so backup got... or otherwise. Yes. Okay, so Christian Christian Collins on the drum and vocals. Which hurts me because, like, Neil Peart would have been my drummer if I was playing another instrument. Mm. So it's kind of like, you know, can he play with me, maybe? Uh, anyway, we'll figure that out. Canadian! Um, who, you ha- who do you have twinkling the ivories in this uh, dream band of yours? Dead or alive, of course. This is a dream. Who do I have twinkling the ivories? Yikes. I really should have done my homework on this before because I've definitely actually Well, I done... popped this on you. So you <laughs> um, quick side note. Um, I actually did a small exercise with some friends where we did a fantasy football draft, but we drafted a rock band. Um, oh, and it was, yeah, it was it was pretty fun um, because I can only really think of one like piano player right now. I'm going to go Elton John. Okay, amazing, amazing. I feel like it, though, if your vocals, I mean, you might be backup vocals because that man. Oh, I sing, yeah, no, backup vocals was implied. Yeah, and Bernie comes with him, so then you don't have to worry about the lyrics. Oh, right? phew. okay, thank goodness. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, lead guitar. Who do you have on lead guitar? Prince. Mm, good choice. Good choice. Also vocals. You... I'm picking all the vocals. <laughs> yeah, too. you've got. I mean, it's just a barbershop quartet yeah. <laughs> that you're putting together. All right, and I'm going to give you one last uh, freebie wild card. Anybody you want, we'll call them a multi instrumentalist, and they can they can just plop in wherever you want. So one more uh, wild card musician. Who are you putting in your dream band? Um, can I pick the Wilson sisters from Heart? <laughs> I like that. The Wilson sisters from heart. So you got Christian, Elton John, Prince, and the Wilson sisters from heart to close out the quintet. Is that right? I mean, just, I mean, they're so badass. Um, <laughs> that they, I mean, I'm obviously forgetting a whole bunch of people. Like I could have picked so many, like, I'm just thinking now I don't really have a bass player and I could sit here and probably name you off a dozen bass players that I'm like, holy crap, they're like the best I've ever heard. But, uh, you know, but if I could only pick a band, but since you sprung it on me, yeah, that's the band I'm going to go with into battle. Of the I Bands. like it. I like it. I like it. Well, Christian, this and we're going to play, cra- uh... we're going to play crazy on you. Um, and, but it's going to be like with, uh, but it's going to be in the style of, uh, funk via Prince. Um, and I'm just going to try and keep up. <laughs> All right, well, hold me closer, Tiny Dancer. This is the Dad Joke Loading Podcast, and we'll be back in a minute.
All right, Dad Jokers, you know what that sound means. It's time for Dad Joke of the Week. And this week, we're going to do another round of kind of dad versus dad to see who can come up with the with the best jokes. So Chris and I are just going to go back and forth here with a bunch of dad jokes. Um, and then afterwards, we'll give you a minute to pick yourself up off, off the floor and uh, gain, gain your breath after uh, uproarious laughter. And then we'll get right back into the rest of the episode. So, Chris, are you ready? Mm, dad jokes. Fah, 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 fah. Let's do it. You know, I was addicted to soap, but I'm clean now. <laughs> That's a serious problem. You should look into that. I broke up with my girlfriend of five years because I found out she was a Habs fan. Yeah, I should have known. There were red flags everywhere. But um, Chang. <laughs> Man, I really got to give a shout out to my fingers. They're so reliable. I can count on all of them. <laughs> <laughs> my wife found out i was cheating on her after she found all the letters i was hiding oh yikes yeah she was so upset she'd said she'd never play scrabble again with me <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke you cannot listen to out of context <laughs> yeah. chris um i gotta be honest with you um i got fired from my job at the juice company yesterday couldn't concentrate <laughs> that's the great thing about dad jokes is the pun the quality of the pun is what gets it speaking of puns a girl came into my bookstore and asked hey what are the chances you have a book on curing eating disorders with religion ah i said slim to none <laughs> credit by the way to uh reddit dad jokes for that one. Oh, nice nice uh, Chris, just a, a quick tip. Uh, never buy Velcro. It's a total ripoff. <laughs> well, you know, someone asked me to name two structures that hold water. I was like, well, damn. You know, it's actually hilarious. Okay. You want to hear my next joke? What did the fish say when it hit the wall? <laughs> well, damn. <laughs> damn. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're regular chuckle busters, the pair of us. You know, I have to admit, I like dad jokes, even though I'm not a dad. Yeah, I'm a faux pas. Faux pas, yes, I, I heard that one coming. Very well done. Uh, Chris, what do you call a Frenchman wearing sandals? <laughs> Christian, it's 2021. This isn't going to go in a racist direction, is it? No, a Frenchman, a person from France, a Frenchman wearing flip-flops. Yeah, I don't know. What do you call a Frenchman wearing flip-flops? Philippe Flop. <laughs> My wife said, you really have no sense of direction. I said, where did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one for me. Uh, Chris, where do pirates get their hooks? Hmm. I don't know, Christian. Where do pirates get their hooks? The second hand store. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Last one for me. Genuinely one of my favorite jokes in the world. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, I had a rough day at the hospital yesterday. Um, my patient passed away when no one knew his blood type. He kept insisting be positive, but it was just hard to stay positive at a time like that. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha
Uh, uh, well done, sir. Well, that's been another uh, edition of Dad Joke of the Week, uh, Dad versus Dad edition. But uh, as we continue on here, uh, Chris was mentioning earlier on, you know, that we are always learning things about each other, um, even after being friends for over a decade. Um, but um, as as music has been uh, a huge part of my past, um, the uh, thirst for knowledge um, and specifically um, trivia and, uh, you know, competitive, uh, you know, trivia and knowledge based competitions has been a huge part um, of Chris's um, history uh, to the point where um, I remember him leaving uh, the town where we went to school to drive to, I believe it was St. Louis. Is that correct? The weekend correct. before our vet school finals to uh, participate in one of these particular competitions. So, um, and now Chris, just before I even get started, correct me if I'm wrong. You've taken the Jeopardy quiz, the test multiple times, correct? Yes, in- indeed. I um, C- Christian, thank you for that lovely introduction. Really just a long way of saying that Chris is a huge nerd. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, when we first set out to do this episode, we, um, I said, uh, Hey, Christian, I'd like to learn a little bit more about your music career. And he's like, well, I want to talk about how much of a nerd you are. And I was like, yeah, all right, sign me up. So here we are. Um, yeah, I have, um, I have, uh, taken him past the, the Jeopardy quiz a, a couple of times, the, um, college quiz twice and the, and the adult quiz once. Um, and, uh, yeah, when you pass, you just go into this sort of pool where you wait for an audition. And, uh, I've heard that the audition process is largely random, and then they bring you down to Los Angeles and, um, you do a tryout there. I unfortunately have never been picked from the pool of, um, people who have passed the test, unfortunately. So I have, uh, I keep waiting and unfortunately I'm so sad that I'll, um, I, I got to, sh- to, to, to meet Alex, out, uh, Alex Trebek at one of these tournaments once, but I'll never get to be on the show with him. Um, but I still do hope to be on it someday. That would be a lovely thing. I think uh, they'll continue the show even with a new host, I believe. So wait, so then now that you've passed the quiz, are you just indefinitely in theory available? No, no. Or does it assert, does, is there a time limit on it? Yeah, there's a time limit. I'm not sure exactly what it is. My understanding was a year. Um, and oh, then once okay. it expires in the year, then you have to write it again. Um, it could be longer, but that's the assumption that I act under. Yeah. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. All righty. I was just curious because uh, when I was actually writing kind of my questions to ask you, uh, my wife was just like, wasn't he on Jeopardy? I was like, okay, I we, we're good enough friends. I would have remembered if he was on Jeopardy. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I feel like that would have come up, even if it was just a humble brag. Um but uh, we did know each other, though, Christian, at a time when I did go on a game show, um, when we did know each other very early in our friendship, believe it or not. I am today um, years old learning this. <clears throat> I know. I know. Um, so in the first year that we met, um, not when not we had not yet started living together at this point, um, I qualified for and went on to a game show called Cubit which was a Discovery Channel game show about science. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, I was on it. And I think like there are still YouTube clips of the sh- of the show generally on YouTube. Um, I don't know if you'd be able to find me. I, I couldn't find myself in a cursory. I will not before. sleep until I find that video. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I had been on uh, a game show through TV through Reach for the Top, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but that was the only time I've been on as a as a solo contestant. So we have known each other at a time when I've been on a game I show. I knew a game show celebrity <laughs> and I didn't even know it. <laughs> Um, That's right. Those uh, millions of viewers tuning into the Discovery Channel at 5 p.m. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Hey, man, like you said, like you mentioned with my with music, you know, just because it's not uh, you're not on Jeopardy or not on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire doesn't mean that that's not quite the accomplishment. So uh, (laughs) so so don't sell yourself short. But um, I'm actually more jealous that you met Alex Trebek uh, because that sounds fantastic. But um, but going back. Um, and we'll kind of go back similarly, kind of how you asked me how this all kind of got started. Um, do you, what are your earliest memories of, of trivia and what, what kind of got you into it? And I guess more specifically kind of the competitive aspect of that, you know, like there's a difference between playing, you know, trivial pursuit with your family, as opposed to saying like, Hey, this is something I really want to actually kind of venture into competitively. Um, what are your earliest memories of that and what kind of got you into it specifically? Mm, Yeah, that's a good question. And um, I think I I think I can answer this one in a reasonably straightforward way, which is that for sure, what got me into it 100% was um, my mom. Definitely. She is super, super smart, but more than smart, she just well read. Um, And when I was growing up, there was never a time when I don't remember watching Jeopardy. We watched it every single night. We never missed it. Um, even if we were eating dinner, we'd, we'd turn it on. We just always watched it. Um, and uh, we might have mentioned this <clears throat> in a previous episode, but my mom would uh, twice a month drive me five hours down, five hours back um, to see my dad. And so that's 20 hours we'd spend in the car together. And we would often play trivia games. Like I'd either quiz her if I was reading or when I was little, she would just know stuff off the top of her head that she would quiz me with. So we did a lot of, you know, the stereotypical stuff, geography, capitals, stuff like that when I was really little. Um, and sh- she's a competitive person. And I think just kind of the friendly drive of competition between us, like always wanting to mm. know the Jeopardy answer first and stuff, um, you know, kind of sparks that drive of it. Like you want to know the answer, but you also want to be the fastest person to know the answer. Um, so that was kind of the first spark of it for sure. And I always grew up just knowing that I loved trivia and, and knowing that I loved that rush of it. I loved playing Trivial Pursuit. I loved that kind of competition. Um, it didn't actually start in the the form that I played it in, which is when you're with other teammates. So a, a game in which, you know, typically you're on one team, there's four of you and you play against another team. There's four of you. There's a lot of different names for that game. It might be called reach for the top in Canada, quiz bowl, college bowl. In the UK, they call it university challenge. But the idea that you're with a team, I did that for the first time in grade seven um, with uh, with this game where, yeah, you basically represented your school and you'd play against other schools. Um, and that was my very, very first opportunity. You had to write this like little kind of pop quiz for the social sciences teacher in grade seven. And if you had a high enough score, you got to go to this little kind of fake tournament um, and I remember in grade seven, I, I was lucky and fortunate enough to win that tournament. And I felt so good about myself. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm hooked, you know, sign me up for until the end of time. So I was, uh, yeah, probably 12 or 13. And that's when it really started for me. Right on. Um, 
what is your favorite topic to study? But then also kind of follow up or additional question do, is how do you go about studying for this? So like if you know you're in a reach tournament or a competitive tournament, is there a specific type of kind of study tactic that you have to use? Mm-hmm. This this is a tremendous question. I mean, this this speaks to a lot of the kind of core philosophical issues about the game itself and what it means to, to play the game and what the whole purpose of it is for. Um, I would say if there's one kind of misconception about the game at a competitive level is that, you know, people think, well, you can't study for it. Like you either know it or you don't. And that's, I mean, that's a hundred percent not true. Um, you know, the, the only way to compete is to, to study. Um, but you think, okay, well, where do you study? I mean, how do you just know every topic? And the idea is, you know, it's, it's a way that I describe medicine a lot, Christian, you know, you know what a physical exam is. You don't just walk up to a dog and say, and say, well, where do I start? You know, you have a system and you know what you're supposed to find and where. And um, trivia is very much like that as well. You know, every question you can plop into a category, you could plop it into a, an era, a time. Um, and then, you know, you know, who were the most prominent English authors from this century, you know, and you know, the list, you know, the list that's going to be there. And so there is kind of a, uh, what they would call a canon or a group of stuff to study. Um, when I was, um, it wasn't until I started playing the American style of the game, which is called Quiz Bowl, um, in probably about grade 11 that I actually started to study. Um, before that, it's just kind of what you pick up, you know, it's like what you pick up just in life and what you read and what you see from Jeopardy and stuff. Um, but it was actually kind of later in high school and university that we actually had to prepare. Um, and honestly, the best way to study and prepare was just to play a lot and to read a lot of questions. You know, the same topics would often come up again and again. Um, and the idea was to sort of start with general knowledge, like have a very basic understanding of all of the basic things. Who wrote this? Who, you know, who wrote that? What country is this city in? And then from there, you would take the things that you're interested in and kind of like dive deeper into them. Um, and then you would get the sort of deeper knowledge in, in a few categories. So that's, a, I, I guess, a long way of saying that the only true way to really properly and effectively study in competitive quizzes by playing and practicing uh, old questions a lot. You've already kind of answered my next question, but maybe you have a, a, a different or additional answer, but I'll ask it anyway. What is something about competitive trivia that people don't know? Hmm. That's a good question. Like if somebody was hmm. asking you, like they're just like, oh, do you just like, what is something you would want people hmm. to know? Boy, boy, that's a really good question. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to give you two answers to this question. I'm going to say the thing that I wish people would know is that it is a wonderful community for people who find themselves having this particularly nerdy affliction. Um, if you find yourself as a total nerd and just loving capitals of countries and wanting to talk about scientists and weird things you learned in history and stuff like that. Doing sporkle quizzes um, instead of yeah, listening exactly. to lectures. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I can't can't possibly think of anyone who I know. Hypothetically. Yeah. Um, if you know, it can be difficult to find other people who like that kind of thing. And if you have a, a quiz bowl team, um, trivia team, re- reach for the top team at your school, um, that's where you will make really lifelong friendships of other of other nerds, quite frankly, of other people who enjoy uh, that kind of thing. So that's what I would want people to know is just the the type of community and friendships that spring up within that because you meet other people that 
kind of think the same way that you do. Um, I would say the thing that's probably, if someone was just walking up to it from the outside, that they would really need to know before diving into it that I think is important to understand um, is the very, very limited, almost 0% amount of uh, pop culture that there is in the vast majority of it. So at most of the national finals, the topics would be like history, literature, science, geography, mythology, religion, philosophy, um, I'm probably missing a category in there, um, but they they're a hundred percent is no um, popular music. There'd absolutely be classical music, but there for sure would be no questions about this. You know, movies, TV shows, Rolling Stones, celebrities, anything like that. Um, so I'd say that I think disappoints people a lot. They get involved because they you know say no know a lot about popular music, for example. Um, but then to to really enjoy it, you unfortunately need to also kind of be interested in stuff like, you know, Louis the ninth or uh, ancient Egyptian, you know, mythology or stuff like that. And that can, that can be a bit disappointing for some people, I think. All right. Uh, that is good to know. Um, now you mentioned uh, the national tournaments specifically, um, and you can definitely correct me if I'm wrong. I, I believe that you have won the Canadian national tournament. Is that correct for high school? Um, yeah, that I would say that might have might be, you know, prior to meeting my wife and having my daughter and getting married, probably the greatest day of my life um, was was that moment. So <clears throat> in high school, the form is called Reach for the Top. I'm sure a few people might have, you know, Canadian listeners, um, particularly the older generation will have heard of it. Um, it was actually originally hosted by Alex Trebek, believe it or not, Reach for the Top, um, which is uh, was sort of the, it's a game show, but it's also just the extension of the finals of this tournament, which kind of bears itself out over the course of a year. Um, so I was on the, our reach for the top team in high school, um, and we fought really hard. We had never won a national championship before, uh, but we were lucky enough to um, make it to the final one year and uh, defeat our rival in the final when I was in grade 12 in the national finals. Um, and then when who I was your rival, do you want to stick it to them since you're on the podcast? <laughs> sure. I think I could uh, fair to say, yeah, it was a private school in Toronto called university of Toronto schools or UTS. Um, they are an incredibly good school, like just in everything that they do. Um, but academics, absolutely. Um, their coach was one of the national coordinators of reach for the top. Uh, I mean, they're a good team. Um, and they had beat us in, in, I think, like when I was in grade 10, they beat us in the quarterfinals. In grade 11, they beat us in the semifinals. Um, so in grade 12, we beat them in the Redemption. finals. Redemption. pretty amazing. Yeah, that was a really great moment. Um, and uh, <clears throat> then when I went to university, um, the university you and I both went to um, did not have a quiz bowl team when I first started there. Um, so little freshman me out of my residence room tried to start uh, our team um, and by the end of our first year, uh, we were the largest team in Canada, which was a really cool experience. We were pretty rough. I mean, we were not great the first year. Uh, we had a lot of practicing to do. Um, but by the time I was in third year, so my uh, last year of undergrad, we won the undergraduate uh, national championship. And then in um, our, my first year of veterinary school, so the first year that you and I knew each other, um, we won the graduate or division one uh, national championship for Canada. Um, so I've uh, played with some really awesome teammates, um, just some of the some of my favorite people in the world. Some of the smartest people I've ever met um, were teammates who, quite frankly, carried me. Um, and uh, yeah, I just am very honored to have to have uh, played with them. 
So what you're what you're telling me is I'm sitting here talking to Chris, three-time national champion for Reach for the Top slash Quiz Bowl. Um, I mean, if if that actually were to count for anything, yes, that is factually correct. It counts in my record book, man. That is that is unbelievably uh, impressive. Uh, now, um, I I kind of already referenced it earlier, um, but uh, tell us uh, tell tell us the story and tell me the story about driving to St. Louis the weekend before your vet school finals. Mm, yeah, that's a that's a tough one. So that wasn't even actually for playing, I don't believe, um, if I'm remembering this right. So <clears throat> I've had to drive down to the States a few times. So for the, for after we, you win the Canadian national finals, you get to go to the international finals, mostly American in the United States. Um, so I've been to the national finals, uh, once twice as a, as a high school player and twice as a university player. Um, but then separate from all of that, <clears throat> which, which, you know, those events necessitated a couple drives to Chicago, a drive to St. Louis, another drive to Chicago, a drive to Philadelphia, I think. Um, I was also um, kind of really interested at one point in the growth of the high school game in Canada. So when I was in university, I tried to uh, help build the game a little bit in um, within our province. Um, and so that led to me being um, the only uh, Canadian member elected to this group called the um, Partnership for Academic Competition Excellence, uh, which organized one of the high school championships. But the problem was, if you were in this group, you had to be, um, you had to, you had to staff the tournament. You know, you couldn't be one of the organizers of the tournament and not show up. Um, and so, unfortunately, that kind of meant, regardless of what other things you had going on at the time, you had to be there. Um, and American universities do not have exams at the same time we do. So you and I were going into the roughest time of the year, which was our final exams. And at the American universities, they were still cruising. This is just another weekend to them. And they unfortunately booked uh, the final uh, in St. Louis. So I had to drive there and I had to drive there the weekend before our exam on Monday. About a 14 hour drive and um, did it all in one go. And I was so tired when I got there at two in the morning that I, I put the only scratch I've ever put on my car, but I put a really, really bad one on my car pulling into the parking garage at the end of that drive. I was so dead tired. Um, I collapsed on the floor, slept, uh, slept in my hotel room until, um, you know, for a couple of hours, did the tournament on Saturday, drove back on Sunday, wrote the exam on Monday, and uh, I guess all's well that ends well. Did you do that drive in that little Volkswagen Golf? <laughs> um that was that was uh no no i did not this okay. was in the chrysler the old 300 oh the 300 okay I i'm just yeah, picturing i'm just tiny, picturing tiny that volkswagen. tiny like volkswagen golf and you just <laughs> just like down the interstate to st louis and that like in that little thing that like you know yeah it looks like you could yeah. run faster than it but um <laughs> but uh that yeah. um uh, i wish you had said yes because that's funnier in my brain but um what was the last competition you entered? Uh, it's a good question. I, it would have been the, so after first year of vet school, um, when we won the Canadian uh, graduate championship, then after that, we went to the American um, sort of international championship. That was the last tournament I ever played in. Um, so I think I went to, uh, I, I 
you know, kind of, we were in vet school at that point. And so I'd sort of set up the club and they just took it from there um, in terms of leading it. And I just kind of showed up for practices and was uh, kind of in the background, but I didn't compete um, anymore. And I haven't competed since. Um, I probably won't again. I don't see any avenue. I probably won't go back to play in any of the kind of masters tournaments or open tournaments or anything like that. I could see myself. I've always wanted to get back involved in, you know, I remember being in grade 10 and grade 11. And the only reason those tournaments ran was because of the dedication of volunteers, completely unpaid volunteers. I'm sure something you've seen in music in hockey and baseball and everything that you've done, you know, these things exist on volunteers. Um, and that was such a, such an important and positive impact in my life in high school. It's a, you know, it, it's hard to find your footing. Like it's kind of hard to know who you are. Um, and that was a, that was a really positive impact for me in terms of giving me the confidence and making me feel like I had, um, value. And if I could in any way, um, bring that to a, to another generation, that would be great. And so I don't see myself playing again, but I for sure would love to get involved in organizing again in some capacity. Well, we're going to end it right there on that note, because you already answered my last question, which was, how do you see yourself being involved with it in the future? So that's great. <laughs> Excellent. Get uh, your mind, my friend. As you always do. Get out of my brain. Uh, well, we're going to take a quick break here on the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about a lot of cool things on the on the episode today. Please get in contact with the show at Loading Dad on Twitter. Dad Joke Loading Podcast on Instagram, um, as well as Dad, Lo jo Dad Joke Loading Podcast at gmail.com. We'd love for you to get in uh, in touch with the show about all the different topics that we talked about, whether it's uh, trivia experiences you had, what your ideal rock band would be, uh, you know, any of those types of things, or even if you just got a good old knee slapper if a dad joke for us, we would appreciate <laughs> those as well. But we're going to take a quick break here, and then we're going to come back and close it out uh, with one of our favorite recurring segments, um, but we'll be back in just a few Oh. Hi, I'm sound designer and composer Michael Spicer, and I want to help you with the audio in your podcast. Take your audience wherever you want, with locations like this relaxing meadow. That's nice. Except for that fox over there. Or maybe a bustling city is more your speed. Fox is Fox for sale. Or maybe somewhere a fox wouldn't be, like next to an active volcano. Okay, if you need sounds or music for your project, go to Welcome back to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. Um, we are going to close things out here. Um, thank you very much for joining us this week. We've had a lovely time, but we still have one more segment to do, and that is Rapid Fire This or That Edition. So Christian, we're going to do a little this or that. So I'm going to give you two options. Pretty simple. You're just going to, you're going to pick one of them, okay? But, um, you know, one thing that we have... Um, somehow managed to not talk about this episode was that Father's Day just happened. Um, but listen, yeah. the reason we haven't talked about that is that we have some bigger Father's Day plans in the works that are just coming a little belatedly. Um, but we're going to talk about all of that in due course with some recording that we're, uh, we have planned. But for now, uh, Christian and I just enjoyed a lovely 
Father's Day on our own. Um, we had, uh, you know, nice, relaxing time. So, Christian, it got me thinking about what my favorite imperfect Father's Day is. And I want to know what your perfect Father's Day is like. So I've got about a dozen questions here. This or that, um, quite heavily breakfast food related in some areas. <laughs> and uh, so we're just going to go through it. So Father's Day, beautiful sunny day. It's a Sunday. You wake up. You know, you know you've got a little bit of a longer leash on the stuff you got to do around the house. So first things first, morning comes. Are you going to take a rare sleep in? You know, a rare toddler-free sleep in those rare sweet days? Or to maximize your entire Father's Day and to get as much fun packed into there as possible, are you up even earlier? Are you a sleep in or up early on Father's Day? Sleep in 100%. If I could, I'd sleep till noon. All right, next question. So you saunter downstairs, you've had a nice little sleep in, and you've got some breakfast options. So first off, sausage or bacon? Well, uh, I guess this is a two-part answer really quickly. Uh, Sausage, unless it's Canadian bacon. Mm, And then my answer is Canadian bacon. Okay. We have to have the Canadian bacon discussion like what that's all about and what that even means and and what what it means delicious is what it means yeah we're gonna have that discussion in a future episode but okay good answer good answer so are you not a like we'll call it american bacon or streaky bacon are you not a big fan Uh, it's not that i'm not a big fan i'm just a bigger fan of the other things i think like if there's if bacon's my only option like at a breakfast or whatever, like when you get the big breakfast and it comes with the bacon, I will definitely dummy that bacon like that is. But if I have the choice, I'm going to go with the other options. You'll go sausage. All right. All right. So uh, two uh, disparate items here. Pancakes, which I know you like because I've seen you make them before, or French toast. Oof. Um, If we're going just, I say plain then I'm going to say French toast. But if we're like, we could make them like, you know, chocolate chip pancakes or like whatever kind of pancakes that I might say pancakes, but if I had to pick one, I'm going to say French toast. Okay. Okay. I like that. Also French toast has got that like extra air of class to it. You know, like you, you might have pancakes on a normal Saturday, but you're not having French toast on a normal Saturday with a toddler. Get out of here. All right, next up. So you've had some breakfast, you know, you're all full. You might mosey over to the couch and sip your coffee, you know, but now you have control of the TV. Sunday afternoon, Father's Day, are you going U.S. Open or are you going baseball? Uh, I'm assuming you're talking U.S. Open golf, correct? Yes, sorry, apologies. Yes, U.S. Open golf. Uh, That I am going baseball. Uh, baseball till the end of time, um, because I could, I am the person that I could watch the Sunday day game, the 4 PM Sunday night baseball and the late game in San Diego at 10. I could watch all of those in a row and be, uh, in my happy place. So I could sit down. So if I, that my afternoon is going to be, uh, in front of the television, it's going to be, uh, yeah, it's going to be, uh, the crack of the bat and, uh, and a baseball game for sure. Hmm. Good answer. Good answer. I like that. I mean, really, the dream is the multi-sport Sunday, you know? I mean, that's – you want the multiplex going. If I picture, mean, I, uh, if picture in picture was an option, I would have picked that. But if I had to yeah. pick one, I'll go baseball. 
I, uh, I spent a bit of Father's Day with my um, father-in-law and basically, uh, I mean, among, among other things we did, we watched a bit of US Open, we did a bit of the Euros, and then we closed off with, uh, actually Copa America was in there, and then we closed off with, uh, with uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, that's, that's the dream. That's right? the life. So uh, this one, um, I broke the rules of our own, uh, of the game that we've set. So that, uh, I apologize for that. But this one, instead of being a this or that, is just a that. So you're just going to pick them from the air and tell me. So now, you know, you're sitting on the couch and uh, your wife comes over, says, honey, you having a great day? You say, yes, love, I'm having a great day. She says, what can I do for you? Is there anything I can do around the house? Of all of your normal daily husband tasks... What do you wish that your wife would do on Father's Day? Because it's a Sunday and Sunday night is garbage night for us and I have to take the bins out. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to say take the garbage out, which she does do on occasion. Um, but in a previous episode, long story short, um, because my wife is very wonderful and does a lot of things like garbage duty just falls to me most of the time sure, which is totally fine you know like yeah it's pretty normal yeah actually. so um but then you know there's multiple garbages you know we have the cat litters upstairs you know that's everything gotta you know oh, uh, get everything together yeah. and whatever get that all in the bins take them out so i'm gonna say uh, i'm gonna say garbage duty yeah good answer when you said cat litter yeah that's what i'd go with cleaning the cat boxes for sure all right, so now the tasks are covered. You know, you, you're just feeling, you've been on the couch a little bit too long. You want to mosey a little bit, um, but you're just not sure exactly what you want to do. You're getting a bit sleepy. So you got the afternoon. You got baseball on the TV. Are you a uh, Father's Day get up and get out of the house, uh, take a walk in a park or go for a hike type of guy? Or are you afternoon nap on Father's Day? Again, the balance here being good sleep. Everybody loves a good sleep. But you also lose valuable Father's Day time. So afternoon stroll or afternoon nap? Afternoon nap. I did. I don't think that there was a single moment in time where you'd answer anything different than that. No. No. And, <laughs> and even if I slept till noon in the in the first question, afternoon nap. Now, if the uh, afternoon stroll happened to be across eighteen holes, uh, mm. playing golf, um, that's a different story. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I'm not just going to go hiking because I feel like going for a walk if I can also take a nap. All right, all right, all right, all right. So that that uh, golf answer leads perfectly into this next question. So it's evening time. You're about to sit down for some dinner. But, you know, your wife is so kindly and so lovingly got you a Father's Day present. Now you have two options here. Option A, she says, my love. I can get you a brand new set of golf clubs or I can get you one all expenses weekend to Green Bay to see the Packers. One of those is a once in a lifetime opportunity, but is fleeting and gone the moment it ha it's happened. The other is a set of golf clubs that you'll use for a very long time every day, but is nowhere near the unique opportunity. Set of golf clubs, Packers weekend. Packers weekend, uh, not even close. Um, and the reason being is because the fact that she's got me that gift means that she's also allowed me to go, um, <laughs> which really is the gift in and of itself. And that will rarely, if ever, never happen. Um, and so, um, especially with having a child, of course. Um, and so I'm going to pick that one because in realistic, 
in all in all realistic you know nature i could probably save up over time and buy myself a set of golf clubs um whereas you know having the wherewithal to plan the packers weekend having the timing workout being actually allowed to go all that type of stuff um i'm gonna pick the packers weekend uh with a quick caveat that uh, aaron Rodgers would have to be there so i know there's well, some friend, turmoil that, that caveat is gonna pay i know off I, there's some turmoil in in wisconsin right now uh but the the caveat might be that aaron Rodgers is still playing quarterback for the green bay packers is an in is in fact suiting up that game but anyway mm, mm, mm. okay 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 caveats galore here now next up uh you're sitting down to dinner you know you're thinking uh, i just want to wet my whistle a little bit and you think uh, i can either have Two ice-cold bottles of your favorite beer or a delicious bottle of red wine. What are you going for for Father's Day dinner? Beer. Um, and mainly because I really don't enjoy red wine. Um, not well, that's my, an easy answer then. Not my, uh, not my cup of... Uh, Cup of tea, cup of not my cup of, cup of wine. wine. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I don't particularly enjoy red wine, uh, to be honest okay. with you. So that made that let's one very easy. easy. Let's uh, let's make it harder then. Cold beer or rum and coke? Uh, beer, because uh, I'm not particularly a rum fan. <laughs> now, what, if you said what? beer, if you said beer or gin and tonic, I'd go gin and tonic for sure. Gin and tonic is really? my is my drink. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, you just happen to pick like two of the liquors I don't particularly enjoy. <laughs> yeah. so. um, I guess I De Sirono and Coke. Oh, That's there you go. You now you're, now you're speaking my language. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Um, all right. So sitting down to dinner. Now you've got your choices. Do you want to, first off, do you go out for dinner? You stay in for dinner? Uh, stay in. Um, and I would honestly stay in and I would help cook dinner if I'm being honest. Um I, I wouldn't expect my wife to necessarily make it um, or order in. And mainly because, to be honest with you, I just don't really like going out in public that much <laughs> anymore. Um, but um, but also because I would rather spend it with those close to me, um, not necessarily like, you know, a hundred of my not so closest friends, you know, at a restaurant. It's crowded. It's noisy. Um, you know, I I'd probably not taking my daughter, you know, just, you know that type of thing. Or maybe if I am, then I'm having to deal with my two-year-old in a restaurant. I think I'd rather, I prefer the comfy confines of home. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you 10,000% on that one. I mean, you know me, if I could uh, have dinner wearing my house coat as I am right now, um, like 10 beers deep, I would happily do so. Absolutely. Um, so, but you sort of uh, tangentially asked my next question already, because this is a tough one. And I bet it's probably the only actual question that you grappled with on Father's Day, which is cook dinner at home or order your favorite thing in. Uh, no, I don't think that's I don't think that's too difficult. I would order my favorite thing in. Um, and again, more so because then that way nobody has to cook clean or anything like that, you know, and that's what we did this Father's Day, which was we actually ordered in. And then that way my wife didn't actually have to make anything. We didn't have to do dishes. It was just more time spent together. Um, so order in. I It's funny. I totally agree with you. I mean, obviously, I 100 percent agree with you. Um, it's just so funny that if you asked us this question when we lived together, for example, like 10 years ago, uh, I mean, we would have been like, no way in hell stay in and ordering food. That's not it. That's not a celebration. But now all of those like other practical components come into it as well. 
Um, and it just totally changes your outlook. And I remember thinking when I was younger, looking at our parents, like, why do you just want to stay in and sleep in and order food? Like, how is that a because special day? Doing that nothing. is exactly my special day. That is exactly what I want to do. Doing nothing is so underrated, especially yeah, when you become a parent. Like the ability to just sit there and do nothing is one of the best feelings ever now. Uh, because you're always having to do something. There's always something to clean. There's always something to do. But just a day where you literally don't have to do anything that you don't want to is about as glorious as it gets as a parent. Yeah, agreed. 10,000%. So what did you order in, Christian? We ordered from a uh, small restaurant that my wife and I really love to go to uh, here in the village where we live. Um, it's kind of a, uh, I don't even really know how to explain the type of restaurant, but it's kind of, you know, a kind of one of those locally sourced kind of, uh, you know, kind of indie hipster kind of menus, but such good food. They have a brick oven pizza, you know, uh, option, you know, that type of stuff. Really, really good food. Um, they do also have oysters there, which we love. Now we didn't order those because I feel like ordering oysters sounds like a terrible idea. Um, but we typically go there for the oysters. But uh, yeah, we order from this place called the Grange Community Kitchen, um, which is a wonderful restaurant. Um, and it's one of our favorites. So we ordered from there. Nice, nice. Good choice. You know, it's funny you say uh, ordering oysters. My wife and I bit the bullet and we ordered um, blizzards um, as part of a larger order um, delivery. And you know what? Totally vouch for it. They were like perfect. They were still frozen. Um, they were like made super well. Yeah, I would hate yeah, to be like the Uber surprised. Eats or like the DoorDash driver just with ice cream that's sitting in my car. I like, know. Don't melt, we don't like, melt, don't melt. We were like, this is crazy. Like, there's no way it's going to work. It's going to be totally liquid. But we Googled it and people were like, no, nah, no, nah, it's fine. It's fine. So we're like, You're expecting whatever. to just like, put it back in the freezer it. and let it like exactly. firm up before that's you. Yeah, exactly what we were expecting. And totally shocked at how good it was. So good you know, to know. Food for thought. Yeah, yeah. Well, this has been, my friends, another great week of the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. Christian, I always have fun talking to you, my friend. It is always, it is always fun. And, you know, every time we do this, uh, you know, even though, as we've mentioned multiple times, we are, uh, you know, the very best of friends and we talk about a lot of things. But, uh, no, but being able to do this, it really, really is uh, you know, fun for us to do. We hope you guys enjoy it as much as we do. Cause honestly, uh, we do this just with microphones in front of our face for fun. Um, we're just happy that at least kind of two or three of you out there are listening to it as well. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably, uh, one or two by the end of this episode, but that's okay because we love hearing from you. So if you'd like to get in contact with us, it's the dad joke loading podcast at gmail.com. Um, you can also check us out on, uh, Instagram or Twitter as well. Um, we'd love to hear from you and uh, we'll be doing some listener comments and questions in future episodes. So hit us up. Uh, as always, lots of thanks to the people who will allow this podcast to happen. So uh, that is our illustrator, the vet cartoonist, Vishal Murthy, uh, producer Ryan, just an incredible producer. Thank you so much, Ryan, for everything you do. Michael Spicer Music for all of that incredible sounds filling your eardrums. Um, and our wonderful and beautiful wives and daughters. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we'll be back with you next week for another episode. I'm Chris. He's Christian. We'll talk to you next week. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>